0: Smith and Jones back again for another week. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. And we're kind of like the pre-pre-game show tonight, Jonesy, getting set for game one of the NBA Finals. So lots to dive into over the course of the next hour. And I, I love the fact that we're weekly because we've got a lot of stuff that we can dig into that sort of comes up in the association and in Raptorland. Over the course of seven days, so as I said, a a lot to dive into over the course of this hour, this latest edition of Smith & Jones. If you don't catch the entire episode, make sure you check it out later on on uh, Spotify or Google or Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Later on in the show, we will focus on the Boston Celtics, and we will take our regular visit with Alvin Williams and uh, have a look at some of these stories in Raptorland, as I mentioned, but also get Alvin's take on the finals as we get set for Game 1, tipping off in now less than two hours. And the man that will have the call uh, for the Golden State Warriors on the Warriors radio network, a man that was about 30 feet to our left three years ago. And here he is back doing it again for the Dynasty, Golden State Warriors, the radio voice of the Golden State Warriors, Tim Roy. Tim, thanks for the time tonight.
1: My pleasure. Uh, Last time I called the finals game, I had to make my way over and and, uh, congratulate you guys on a a job well done. And, and, uh, you know, even though the Warriors lost, which, you know, obviously I would want to have that reversed, but it, it was a great moment for basketball.
2: Well, uh, Tim, uh, a great moment for basketball, and as Eric said, you are about 30, 30 feet to our left. You're about 3,000 miles to the left now, but uh, before we get going, I just want to, in our broadcast fraternity, congratulate our man Eric Smith for being inducted into the Burlington Sports Hall of Fame this week. I couldn't be there, uh, but uh, Eric was uh, honored by the, the city where he grew up, so, and Tim, you know what that's like. You know what those Hall of Fame things are like, and... I'm sure you're going to see a couple of the Warriors in the Hall of Fame when it's all said and done.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think we will, and that's, that's what is intriguing. First of all, congratulations to Eric. But, uh, but do I have to call you Hall
0: of Famer from now on? Is that I have to call No, no,
2: no, no. His head's no, big no. enough. His head's yeah, well, big listen, enough. I, I okay. basically
0: tell everybody now, Tim, Please? it's either it's either sir or lord. One of the two, either one. You take your pick. <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey, hey, Tim, uh, hey. Tim you you talk about taking your Eric says take your pick maybe I don't know anything because the ESPN BPI index or whatever it is the prediction index gives the Celtics an 86 percent chance of winning the series if that's the case then I know absolutely zero over the last 50 years that I've learned about basketball is it like am I missing something here
1: well, they have been the toughest, one of the toughest matchups for the Warriors historically over the years, even going back to, you know, 2015, 2016, in and and that period. Their their length has always bothered the Warriors a little bit, but my thing is that, it, you know, it's one thing to do it in the regular season; it's another thing to do it in in the NBA Finals, where you've got to beat a team four times, and that's that's the criteria. You know, if uh, you know, but and and the other part about uh, that I think people are kind of overlooking is that, you know, the, the you know both teams have had injuries. Everybody had a crazy year going through COVID, but the Warriors got healthy at just the right time at the end of the year. You know, so I don't know if they've seen this team with, Poole coming off the bench, with you know Wiggins playing at an incredible level. He's playing, I think, the best basketball of his career. Uh, Clay Thompson has now had a couple of months under his. To, to get back into an NBA groove and 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 really I, I just think that the depth of the Warriors right now is at its highest it's been all year long and I think that's going to help them in this series a lot
0: hey, Tim I don't know if any of us expected you know an, an epic drop off for Golden State but if you were to go back even two years ago and I know that obviously the departure of Kevin Durant and injuries and COVID and the bubble and the, the lost season that was a few years ago, all of that stuff. All of that stuff plays into the larger question I'm talking about. But did you think that this team would be able to turn it around this quickly and be back in a championship looking for another title this quickly?
1: You know, I really i, I didn't until uh, maybe the first couple months of the season and they were playing so well. I thought, wow, Clay comes back and he's even, you know, a a good chunk of his former self. Then this team's got a chance to run. But going into the season, no. I thought maybe the Warriors might have a chance to win maybe 45 to 50 games and and be an outside, you know, puncher's chance to win the West. But I did not expect this. And um, I think it, it just goes back to, you know, the whole setup here, the culture. The coaching and the core. I mean, uh, everybody keeps talking about legacy for these three guys, and you know, do they need to win another title to get, to get that legacy? And my answer is no. Uh, they're, they're three of the best. You know, if you I'll put them up against anybody's big three of all time. They've this is their sixth final in eight years. Only a couple of teams have done that, and only the Bulls have done in the last forty years. I think that's legacy enough.
2: Yeah, Tim. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned uh, getting healthy, and and one of the guys who's been terrific through the playoffs has been Andrew Wiggins. He's really, uh, I mean, people looked and said he's going to be good. It'll be good for him to get to Golden State, and he has been he's been outstanding, uh, not just what he's contributed offensively, but his defense. And how key do you think that'll be in this series, guarding a Jason Tatum or, you know, getting switched on to a Jalen Brown because he's he's really one of the primary defenders with the length. and and agility to guard those guys when you look at the series.
1: He has become an elite defender here. And I I know that maybe he just wasn't ready for that in Minnesota, or maybe it wasn't asked of him enough, but but he's become an elite defender. And even things like the beginning of the playoffs, Steve Kerr says, I'm going to go small. So, Andrew, that means you're playing a lot of four, and you have to rebound. You know, one of the things about – Andrew has been that maybe he doesn't rebound as much as he he could, but he has responded in this postseason, and he's playing with confidence. He's playing with the you know the type of uh, uh, effortless ability that he has to to get things done. And uh, I'm just so happy for him. You know, he looks like he's really happy. He looks he looks like he's enjoying you know playing the game and coming to work every day. And and uh, he's a huge key for the Warriors in this series because if he can. You know, you're not going to stop Brown or Tatum, but you got to make them work harder for their points. You can't give them easy buckets, and if, if Wiggins can accomplish that, that's going to go a long way of, to the Warriors winning another title.
0: Hey, I'll ask you one more quick one, Tim, because I know you're going to go here in a second. We really appreciate you joining us less than two hours before tip-off, and Steve Kerr is going to be talking to the media in just a couple of minutes. Um, maybe you already answered this. Maybe Andrew Wiggins is your answer, but I'll still ask it anyway. If there's an X factor, maybe on either side, the difference in this series will be or could be blank.
1: Wiggins is my number one choice for the Warriors, and I'll also put a one A uh, and put um, a Gary Payton the second in there. If if he's healthy enough to give them some good minutes, then then you become an even better defensive team out there, and uh, he can do you know, unique things that you know teams aren't ready to guard against, like having a six three guy in the dunker spot and things like that. For Boston, I think it's Grant Williams. I if he can knock down shots for them at all and, and disrupt the way he can defensively, I think he's a key. You're not gonna slow down those two big scores and Marcus Smart is going to do Marcus Smart things as we all know. And um and, and so I, I think maybe Grant Williams might be the guy on, on the other side and and I just wonder if, there, if it's possible that we can just give, you know, uh, coach, coach technical fouls to Draymond and Marcus Smart before the game and just say, okay, we know you guys are going to get one, so here we go. We'll give you two.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it, Tim. Hey, listen, really appreciate you joining us. I know you're tight on time and, and scrambling, and I appreciate you carving out some time for the two of us. So have a great call, and uh, we'll talk again hopefully before the end of the finals and, and or talk after the finals and uh, hopefully congratulate you on another ring.
1: Plus, I want directions to Raptor land. I need directions to that. So uh, I'll definitely talk to you guys again. Thanks so much for having me. All
2: right, Tim. Tim. Take care, man.
0: There is Tim Roy, the radio voice. Of the Golden State Warriors again. Tip off game one of the NBA Finals coming up in less than two hours' time, Jonesy. First of all, I I didn't say so because I know we were trying to get to Tim. But thank you for the uh, acknowledgement that showed it off the top. It was a great night a couple of nights ago, and and at the Hall of Fame induction. So uh, I appreciate you uh, mentioning that. Thank you very much, and I'll just I'll leave it at that uh, because it's not about me. It's about the NBA and it's about game one of the finals, and I'm with you. Where you were asking Tim off the top, what am I missing, or 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 do I know nothing? Because Jonesy, I'm shaking my head too. Like this thing is is at the at the at the at the least in my eyes, split down the middle, and yeah. I've actually got my 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 juices, my spidey senses, leaning the other way towards Golden State.
2: Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, I, I if you pressed me, I would say, and I'll give my prediction right now: Golden State in six or seven. I mean, I I, I just I I see the experience. Uh, being big. Uh, not that Boston hasn't been in big games, and, and uh, you know, as a coach, Ime Udoka hasn't been in big situations. I mean, heck, he was riding in the sidecar b- with Budenholzer uh, and, and Popovich for years in San Antonio. So, uh, you know, I, I, just, I just think, though, if the game is played a certain way, uh, there are going to be better Decisions made consistently by Golden State. Now, if Boston can slow this thing down, and muck it up, and make it half court, yeah, maybe it's maybe it it gives them a better chance. But I just think if you get going up and down, um, boy, I trust Golden State in in a kind of game like that than more so than I do Boston.
0: The only thing that I guess concerns me a little bit, just 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 tad, I suppose, from Golden State's perspective, and it all stems on will. Marcus Smart have that ability to slow down Curry? I'm not going to say shut down. He's not going to shut him down. But if he does slow him down, does Golden State have enough offensively? Because Clay has shown spurts, but I don't know if he's done it consistently, Jonesy, yet. You know, it's only been a couple of months. Can Wiggins have enough in the tank on the offensive end if he's taken a ton out on the defensive end? Obviously, Draymond, you're not leaning on offensively. Then that thrusts a lot on Poole. And, and and in this spotlight, really, for the first time. So that's my one concern is if Curry has an off night, will you have enough scoring, enough offensive punch to combat what Boston's doing on top of the fact that they've got other dudes that can stop your other dudes as well?
2: well and again, I go back to what I talked about with the tempo, Eric, and the pace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, it's really hard to guard Golden State the way they move the ball and the way they move people you know, on, in, in those, in, in those pin-down screens where it's, you know, two-on-two, two, a, a ball out top and a guy going to set a screen for Curry or Thompson and the defense is, you know, they're, they're jumping and, and the guy who sets a screen slips to the basket and he's open. I, I just think Golden State's offense is, it's not the kind of offense you shut down and if you do, it's not, you, you don't shut it down for an entire game. They'll shut themselves down by missing shots, but they are going to get their looks, and and you know Tatum uh, is the main ball handler, and then and and then you got Brown, and can they make the decisions consistently in that pace of a game? It's not like Miami, where you know those games are. Some of those games were in the you know the the mid nineties to low hundreds this thing gets going up around hundred eight 110 I give Golden State the edge and and the other thing that I think Golden State can hit you with and we've talked about this e when you play them they are a pretty good defensive team and your offense at times has to keep you in the game they can have the barrage where they score a three and you come down and you you turn it over or you take a bad shot and they're off to the races again and they pull up in transition. They bang another three. Then you inbound it and somebody takes a bad shot or there's a turnover where you're trying to get three back quickly and bang, they hit you with another three. And all of a sudden, in like 48 seconds or a minute and five seconds, you, you, you've given up a nine-zero 0 run. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you've got to survive the barrage against Golden State. And they're a team where your offense has to keep you in games. And I don't know if Boston's just not prone to the blackout every so often against, you know, especially against a team like Golden State.
0: I think it's a great point. I think it's a great point, Jonesy. Again, game one of the finals coming up in about an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, we we're, we're, 're we're kind of acting as your, your pre pre game show getting you set for that one uh, later on in the show. We will look at things from a Boston perspective and in a couple of minutes, Alvin Williams will join us and uh, we 'll get uh, you know, his take on uh, the Warriors and the Celtics, and also some some chatter, some rumors I suppose that seem to be floating around as i as 've called it a few times now in Raptorland over the course. Over the last seven days or so, you know, I, I think back, Jonesy, as well to the bubble experience for the Raptors, and and let let me acknowledge ahead of time, um, slightly different team, definitely more mature team, more experienced team now, a uh, couple of more seasons under the belt, uh, a defensive player of the year um, trophy now for one man specifically, and Marcus Smart. But I looked at that series with with Toronto and Boston, Jonesy. And I'm not saying that Toronto had the same weaponry or, or firepower that Golden State does, but if a team like the Raptors, with the personnel that they had then, without Kawhi Leonard, can go toe-to-toe with Tatum and Brown and Smart and others, I see Golden State doing the same thing, at the very least, making this a 6-7 game series. And that's, again, why I'm leaning towards Golden State winning this thing. I just think the experience factor overall, going to six out of eight finals, six out of the last eight, I, I, as Tim said, I don't even care if ultimately Golden State doesn't win. This is among the best of the best dynasties, not just in NBA history, in pro sports history. This is unbelievable what Golden State is doing and has continued to do.
2: Well, and and the other thing about it, Eric, is uh, probably similar to San Antonio's and, and Chicago's. They're homegrown. Like Steph Curry was drafted there. Clay Thompson was drafted there. Draymond Green, nobody wanted him. He was drafted there. I mean, you look at the end of it now. Yeah, they had Durant for a couple of those, but he's left. And he hasn't been back to the final since, and yet Golden State is now. And, you know, Kavon Looney, homegrown talent. You know, Jordan Poole came up from their G League team, found him, developed him. I, I, I just, uh, you know, I think it's impressive the fact that you know, they, they do it that way. And, and look, I mean, I would even say, you know, for the Raptors, when they, when they won their championship, a lot of that was through development. Pascal, Fred, Kyle. Yeah, they traded a couple of the developmental pieces to get better players, but if you're not developing players, then nobody wants a Jakob Purtle, a DeMar DeRozan, a DeLon Wright, a Jonas Valanciunas. So... You know, you, you can draft your, draft your way toward a championship. And, and I, I think Golden State, like I said, gets credit for that. The same way you would look at San Antonio with Duncan and Parker and, and, and uh, you know, Ginobili, guys that they, they, were, they were hand-picked. You know, Jordan never left. He stayed in Chicago. They drafted and developed Pippen. You know, guys that nobody else wanted. They took them and developed them and made them into a championship contender. So uh, it, it, it really is something. When you think about six finals in eight years, since the Bulls, nobody's done that. Nobody's done that.
0: Uh, we're going to be joined by Alvin Williams in a couple of minutes' time for his uh, weekly visit with us, Jonesy. We're going to dip back to the finals when Alvin is on the line. But I did want to bring this up, and you know me, and, and I know you're, you're in lockstep with this. We, we have said this together for years. We hate the rumor mill stuff. We hate the trade rumor stuff especially. There was a report, according to sources. Which sources? Whose sources? I don't know. I'm not putting a whole lot of stock in this quote-unquote story, if it's even fair to call it that. And for what it's worth as well, Scotty Barnes just a couple of days ago uh, did his best to debunk the alleged rumor that was out there, as he said on Instagram. Close source said, it's bad news and then with a bunch of laughing and crying faces like like that it was just a big joke. But apparently somebody out there saying that OG Ananobi might not be happy with his role in Toronto, maybe looking to go elsewhere. And then, of course, there's teams potentially linked to OG that would be interested in. Let me tell you, folks, Jonesy, correct me if I'm wrong. 29 teams in the league would be interested in OG Ananobi if he was actually on the market, if the Raptors were looking to get rid of him or OG wanted out of town. So forget two teams. 29 teams would want this guy. I don't see that there's a lot of truth to this rumor. Could he ultimately get moved in the offseason? Hey, how many times have we said Shaq was traded, Gretzky was traded, the biggest names in sports have been traded. So anybody can be dealt. But I don't foresee that the Raptors are actively pursuing something for Ananobi or that Ananobi is the kind of guy to be walking in or even through his agent saying, I want out. I don't see it.
2: He's he's the kind of guy that every team wants, and and I've talked about this before. Uh, In a copycat league where Masai says, we don't copy anybody, the Raptors have become innovators. Uh, Everybody looks at Toronto now and says, hey, they got something going there, playing five guys that are basically the same size, who can all switch and guard on the perimeter, on the interior. Um, You know, when when you look at the offense, they're all capable of shooting the three, taking you off the dribble uh you know rebounding passing hey they might have something going now people start to copy the Raptors yeah you know what it's not a bad idea get you know positionless guys every guy between six seven and six nine hey let's ask Toronto if they want to get rid of one of those guys well no why would they I mean this is our idea this is our thing we're not going to give up on it we're not going to give you a guy who might be a cornerstone and Look, I say this to every player. If you're not happy with your role, then do something to change it. If you want more shots, rebound. Go get the ball off the glass. And, 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 you know, you're comfortable taking it. Or get the ball off the offensive glass. If you want more playing time, work on your game. Like, you can change your role. To me, the biggest thing about OG is he's got to stay available. Uh, injuries have been – they've been tough. Injuries in personal situations have been tough on that guy. And if he's able to play 65, 70 games a year, I'm, sh- I'm sure he'll be fine with his role because you know the Raptors have let him grow into a guy that started as uh, the fifth option, catch-and-shoot corner three guy when he got here with Damar, Kyle, Jonas, and all those other guys that were thirsty and and needed the ball and probably deserved it a little more, to this year where he's guarding everybody on the defensive end. We see him not just be a standstill shooter. He's playmaking. He's putting the ball on the floor. I don't understand how he could not be happy with his role. He could want more, and that's okay, but I I think his role is, is, is carved out for him pretty well here in Toronto.
0: Well, and if he wants more, I think he and many others are going to be getting less as Scotty Barnes gets more going forward. (laughs) And that might make them better as a team and thus better as individuals as well. Um, On the line right now for his weekly visit, longtime Toronto Raptor, Raptors television analyst on Sportsnet. It's the time of the show where we turn into Smith and Jones and Williams as we bring in Alvin Williams. Al, always good to chat with you, man.
3: Same here, man. Thanks for having
0: me. Always, Al. I I know you heard what Jonesy was chatting uh, about there regarding OG Ananobi. We'll turn our attention to the finals in a second. Um, I don't know if you heard about it. We're not putting a ton of stock in it, but there was alleged rumors about OG and whether the Raptors might pursue a deal or if OG's happy. Again, I don't think there's a whole lot of weight to it. But um, just in the grand scheme, not asking you about the rumors, OG's role with this team, and as I was just saying, as Scotty Barnes gets better, as this team comes together, another full season, you would assume, with Gary Trent under the belt. How does this team look, do you think, Al, next year with the balance, the composition, um, the, the redundancy, and I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way, with complementary-type players on this roster?
3: I mean, it's all depending on what, what you're going after, right? It's like you, you've seen over time, The championship teams, they have that superstar. They have the support. They have the depth. They have the availability. They have all of those things when it comes to winning the championship. But if you want to be a contender and if you want to be competitive and compete for those championships, you know, the Raptors have those pieces. They have the pieces where you have young guys that have a lot of talent and they have a lot of versatility and they have toughness, and they don't give up. But I think more importantly, they have value. So even if from an organizational standpoint, you do have players on your roster that you can you can move and get something that can take your team to another level. Now, what does that look like? Who's that person? Who's, who are those pieces? I don't know because I like the makeup of a Toronto Raptors team, but I like it even more because you have players that have value if you decide to move an individual or two individuals, because you will get something for them, because they've proven that they're not just champions, they're getting better, and they have a lot of versatility, which today's NBA is a value.
2: And and Al, and my thing is, hence, that's why people might come asking for one of your versatile parts, because the Raptors have they've established something in the NBA, the fact that they have they they did it against Philly, put five guys out there between. Six, seven, six, eight, and six, nine, six, ten that it doesn't matter who's guarding who uh, they they play well together offensively, everybody can shoot the three, drive it, rebound and and why wouldn't somebody come asking and say, Hey, are you willing to get rid of one of those guys and and al we've seen players that are quote not happy with their role go out there and do things to change their role and improve things. And I mean, just your thoughts on that, because the rumblings that OG's not happy with his role. I, I, I don't know if they're true. I don't hear anything like that. I've never seen anything like that, but I mean, you're, you can, you can have an impact on your own role, uh, the way you play the game.
3: No, for sure. And you mentioned it when I was, when I was listening to you, if you're not happy with your role, then go out there and change it. Right. And you go out there and do other things. And, Once again, today's NBA, it doesn't allow, unless you're that special, special player, it doesn't allow a lot of players to go out there and showcase everything that they can do because we talk about the positionless basketball. We talk about systems. We talk about a skill set. There's a lot of players that can dribble, pass, and shoot that are different heights, different sizes, different ages, different places in their career. So if you take an OG, And and this is me. I look at OG as somebody who brings a lot of versatility on the offensive side when it comes to someone that can knock down a spot-up shot, someone who has an ability to get in shot, and someone that has an ability to show this year that can post up. And then defensively, with his athleticism and size, that he brings value on that side as well. So it all depends on the individual makeup. And, And the crazy thing is a lot of the young players and all these players, they listen and they see so much that, they want more, you know, they want, they want more. And we've, we've seen it from someone like a Kyrie Irving, one of the most skills, skillful people that we've seen in today's NBA. He wasn't happy in Cleveland for whatever reason. So you see a lot of these players that they want to go other places that they want to be able to showcase their skill set. And just because they're at one destination, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily happy there with that, with that, you know, with their role. So, it's all about that individual, but, you know, the old saying, the grass isn't always greener. We've seen a lot of players want to leave Toronto and, and vocal, be vocal about it, and then at the end of their career, at some juncture of their career, they, they always wish they were back there. So you always got to be careful about this, especially in the NBA.
0: Speaking with Alvin Williams, Al, maybe there's no greater example than what we're seeing, uh, you know, in, in the finals right now. Uh, you know, Jonesy was chatting about it. You think about the way that these two teams have been built, especially with their core guys. Um, almost all of them homegrown talents that have come together, grown together, played together and had to adapt roles, maybe take less in terms of, you know, role uh, uh, stats, numbers, et cetera, but for the greater good. And here they are, still standing, ready to battle it out for the title.
3: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and I think if you look at, say say you take the Raptors, right, when they won the championship. <clears throat> guys took a back seat. And I think every, every championship team, you have your guys, no doubt about it. You have the guys. You have the guys that's going to be in the media. You have the notoriety. You have the big contract guys. You have the endorsement. And then you got to have the guys that are going to be there that that's ready to perform and the thing about that is you talk about Toronto Raptors I, I saw Kyle Lowry take a back seat, almost being a, a third option I saw I saw uh, uh, um, Serge Ibaka go to the bench for Marcus Solking when you have those type of players and you have that type of attitude and you have that type of buy-in that's only going to help your team and it takes time it takes maturity it takes a lot for people to come to that point to that place so i think when you talk about the boston celtics when you talk about the golden state warriors they developed a culture and it started with their leadership so i think that's all that's that's what it's about when guys buy in and guys really take the initiative to say i'm going to i'm going to take less of the cake just to share you know the the bigger the bigger prize at the end okay.
2: Al, how do you see this final shaking down? Um, you know, we we oh, started man, the show talking.
3: Baby.
2: Yeah, we started the show talking to Tim Roy, the Golden State Warriors' radio voice, and ESPN this morning had, or the last time I looked, I think it was this morning, had Boston with an 86 percent chance of winning the series, and, I, and then I thought, well, I don't know, maybe it's mathematics, new math, new analytics. If that's the case, then I know nothing about <laughs> basketball. Like exactly. I, I just. I don't see that, Al. I see Golden State in six or seven games if it's played at a, especially if it's played at a certain tempo.
3: Yeah, I I I don't see that number like eighty six. That's that's all. They might as well be playing against me, you, and E, and and add two more people. Eighty six percent, like that, that, I mean, they're, they're, that, you got Steph Curry, you got. You, I mean, you, you just you're discounting all these all the talent, the greatest players, some of the greatest players that we've seen play. But I don't know where that comes from if you look at a Boston Celtics team who has length, who has size, who has, you know, some killers on their team, and they have a young, two young stars when you talk about Brown and, and Tatum, and they're getting better, man. But I don't see where someone can really dial in other than some hidden math or some hidden uh, analytics that can come up with that, that idea because it's going to be tough. And the way Golden State plays, and people really do not credit Golden State for their defense and they don't credit them for their, for their ability to play together. We see it, but people don't understand the importance of that and how difficult it's to guard that style of play if you're not in condition for that. We saw Dallas Mavericks, who looked like the, the unbeatable force the way they put it down on the Phoenix Suns, and Warriors made those guys look like they were rookies. From a defensive standpoint and from an offensive standpoint, so it's going to be difficult to beat a Golden State Warriors. Although I do like Boston Celtics, it's going to be very difficult to beat a Golden State Warrior. So I don't know where that 86%. And I, I saw it too earlier today.
0: Speaking with Alvin Williams, Al, I, I kind of threw this out earlier to Jonesy. Um, I, didn't, I didn't give teams, I'm not giving rankings, I'm not, not asking you to give me like, you know, one through three or five or anything like that. But simply just making it to the finals, let alone if they actually win the title. Where does this put Golden State, do you think, among the greatest dynasties? And I, I, I said earlier, Al, in sports, not just in the NBA. We're talking about six finals appearances in the last eight years and a chance to potentially hoist another title. Like, it's bonkers to me, the success that they've had.
3: No, yeah, it is. I mean, I I can't answer. You're talking to somebody who only went, the part that I went to the second round of the playoffs in the Philadelphia the Philadelphia Mount Airy section of championships. So I I don't, I don't, can't speak to what it looks like, but I just know from a, from a dynasty standpoint, it's right there. It has to be. When you talk about, and this is me aging myself, you talk about the Yankees, you talk about the Lakers and Celtics, you talk about the 49ers or the Cowboys back in the day, you talk about all these types of teams. But Golden State, they've shown excellence. And the biggest thing is they've done it in so many different ways because they got, they got to do the draft. They got to do the build up with Steph and Clay and Draymond. Then, you know, you get a free agent, somebody big as is, is, is Kevin Durant, where it was a seamless process. And people underrate that with bringing a big superstar and making that gel. That didn't work. I mean, that worked. They got two championships from there. And then they go back, little hiatus through injury and some adjustment, and they're right back on the big stage. So you got to put them up there with what with, with you're talking about, anyway the great dynasty of all time, one of the greatest dynasties of all time, and Chicago Bulls,
2: we talked about them as well. Al, how do you see from a tactical standpoint? Uh, I, I said to Eric, and we were talking, I thought tempo was going to be key. If I mean, it's hard to guard Golden State with you know their constant movement. Steph Curry's running around looking like Reggie Miller at times, coming off screens, and those down screens and those slashing movements where there's brush screens and people are slipping. It just—it's—I think it's tough to guard them, and I know Boston's a good defensive team, but you're going to have to slow Golden State down to do that. And I just think the tempo and the pace at which this series is, is played is going to be a big determining factor in who wins it.
3: No, no, for sure, and it, it, that's, that's the key. People look a lot at the result of the shot going and shot making. Shot making, I think, it's going to be more important for the Boston Celtics. And a condition, being able to guard the Warriors. The Warriors, they wear you down because of so much movement. We've seen times where Steph Curry has not shot the ball well, and as great as he is, as well as we usually see him in the postseason. You know, Clay Thompson hasn't been shooting the ball great. He's had some big games, but he hasn't been shooting the ball that great. But they wear you down. And then again, to a point of the game where the Golden State Warriors will make shots. So I think it's critical for the Boston Celtics, to be conditioned enough and disciplined enough to stick to stick on a defensive end, and then on an the offensive end, those other guys are gonna to have to make shots. Because Tatum is doing a, a marvelous job of finding his teammates. He's he's catch he's getting it. He's getting what the superstar is supposed to do: draw attention, kick it out, let his teammates make it. And then when it's the one-on-one opportunities to close games out, he's the guy. And he and Jalen Brown so. I think it's critical for the others, for Boston Celtics, to step up and make shots. And then on the defensive end, they've got to stick to the script. They cannot lose sight of who, who they really are the defensive side. And for the Warriors, you know, they play. Defensively, they're there. And then offensively, they're, they're, there, they're there. And they'll just continue to grind it out no matter what. And they never get rattled. No matter if the shots are going in where they're turning the ball over, they never get rattled. So I think it's really key for Boston to really show that defensively they're going to be disciplined and they're conditioned to stay with the movement. And then at the end of the day, the others on the offensive side have to make shots.
0: Hey, Al, earlier I asked Tim Roy about an X factor. He said Andrew Wiggins. I think that that would be the answer for a lot of people. What have you seen in in his game, the change that he's been able to make uh, coming from Minnesota to Golden State? I mean, is it a case of simply being around more talent, not having to be the top dog? What's what's the reason why we've seen uh, such a, a, a rise for Wiggins on both sides in an all-star season and now a potential title season?
3: Remains on a better team. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. There was a lot of expectations for Andrew Wiggins being the number one pick. And when you go to a bad organization that we've talked about it on this show, we've talked about it in the past, the team you go to, can really make or break your career as a young player. And if you don't go to the right organization with the right structure, the right leadership, the right organization, it it can really damage you. And I think that's the case in point where, you know, if you look at Wiggins' numbers and you look at his ability, you look at his potential, it was always there. But everybody wanted more. They wanted more. And I'm not putting all the blame on Minnesota Timberwolves and you don't put all the blame on the player but I think he's in, a right, he's in a right setting where he doesn't have as much pressure. He has more responsibility, but he doesn't have all the pressure when everyone's looking at him to perform night in and night out. Because if you look at him, you when you have great players like the staff and those guys, when the ball comes to you, you only have a few opportunities to, to prove your worth. But now he's doing that, and then on the defensive end, he's looked upon as a defensive player. And he made an all-star game. So when I say he has less he has he has he has less attention but more but, but he has more more uh, he has more responsibility because he's a defensive player now and he has to perform as the other guy and i think that's basically what it boils down to him playing with a better organization much better players and he stepped to the he stepped up to the plate and he's doing a great job
0: Al, we appreciate the time, as always, man. Enjoy game one, and I'm sure we'll be uh, chatting again next week, if not sooner. All the best.
2: Hey, 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 did we get a prediction? Did we get a prediction?
0: I think he said Golden no, State no. earlier, but I don't know if he gave me, a, 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 no, no. you know, in six or seven. Did he? Go I, ahead, Al. I got – no, no, I think I think,
3: I'm, I'm, I think it's going to go seven games. If it goes seven games, I'm going with Boston. but I don't think it, it may go six. And I want, you know, I'm, I'm a Steph Curry guy. I got, I got to support the home team. Bell Curry, that's my OG. So, I, uh, you know, me knowing Steph and all those guys, I gotta go with, I gotta go with Steph Curry. So, I'm going to so go you with know Golden just...
4: State
0: just, just from the love. Okay, so you, so you are taking Golden State from the love, brother. It's, it's, an, emotional, okay. it's okay. an emotional. It's an that's emotional. It's emotional. That's fine. That's fine. Because I, I was about to bust your chops for giving me a Paul Jones answer. Because you basically said I'm going with Boston, but I'm going with Golden State. <laughs> so, <laughs> It's
2: killing me. I, like, I worked way too long like, with this cat. <laughs> I like Boston, but I love I love the Warriors. All
0: right, all right. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Al, we'll talk again next all week, right, man. Uh, my brothers. All right, right thank you, Al. There you go, Alvin Williams, former Toronto Raptor, of course Raptors analyst on Sportsnet. We'll step aside for the break and uh, come back and shift our attention a little bit more focused on the Boston Celtics. Can they beat? The Warriors, Jonesy, at the very least, they've got to get one in Golden State. They can't go down 0-2 heading back home. So can they get it tonight? Can they jump on Golden State? Again, we'll talk about things from a Boston perspective when we continue on Smith & Jones. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Download, rate, and review. Share it as well on Google, Spotify, Apple, and others. Again, wherever you get your podcasts. podcast make sure you download Smith and Jones Um, we'll be joined in a couple of minutes uh, by our next guest Jonesy Uh, We've got about uh, 10, 15 minutes left here. Tip-off of Game 1 between the Warriors and Celtics. A little more than an hour away, about an hour and 15 minutes. And uh, definitely uh, something that should be noted as well, at least on the television broadcast. We talked to Tim Roy earlier from the Golden State Warriors broadcast. Uh, We've got ESPN National Radio, of course, the Boston broadcast. We've got International all over the place. But the primary broadcast from ABC ESPN stateside, for the first time in history, it will be including your brother, uh, from play-by-play to color analyst to sideline reporter, an entirely uh, black broadcast crew, Jonesy, and that is certainly something to acknowledge and to celebrate that it uh, that it is finally finally happening in 2022.
2: Yeah, um, craziness. Got a message from Mark earlier under strictest confidence, saying, "Hey, uh, I've just been I'm in from the bullpen to do this thing, and uh, I'm happy for him. He's done a lot." um you know he's he's going to get a chance to call he's called the finals before but for ESPN 3D and he's done all these other things but never on the main network and uh you know when I, I you know we we both had a chance to interact with Mark Jackson when he was a player in Toronto we saw him go on to coaching and uh you know I met I met Lisa Salters as a a reporter a news reporter from ABC News in LA in November of 1996 sorry 1997 when she was covering a story in Vancouver where a lady named Violet Palmer was the mm. first female official in the NBA so all all of those all three of those folks have, have paid their dues when it comes to basketball and reporting and and you know broadcasting so um and listen good for ABC and ESPN to to have that happen and and i say this as a minority every time somebody as a minority accomplishes something that is landmark or groundbreaking there's somebody in the majority that is supporting them so uh you know good luck to 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 mark mark and lisa and uh you know tip of the cap to uh espn and the poobahs in that office to to you know to make it happen
0: Uh, Jonesy, as I mentioned, we're just over an hour away from tip-off. Three years ago, you and I were getting set to call game one between the Raptors and Warriors, but we're on the sidelines now. And a man that I read earlier today on his Twitter feed, it's his first time covering the finals in person, so I'm sure it's a thrill from a personal perspective. uh, But he's a writer for uh, Boston Sports Journal, and he joins us on the line right now from San Francisco, John Carlos. John, thanks for the time today.
2: Five fifty-nine.
0: Hey, John. Hey John, do we have you there?
2: you oh, welcome.
0: No, I think we might have to uh, reconnect there with uh, John in a second. Jonesy, I was, I was hearing myself in reverb and feedback there, so I don't know if perhaps he might have had us uh, on hold or something, but uh, we'll get back to John in a second there when we get confirmation that he is uh, on the line and, and, and able to join us. Um, and it's going to be interesting, as we've been talking about over the course of the show, to see how Boston handles Golden State's offense, knowing that they can deliver an offensive punch as well, but it's been a while i think since they've seen the onslaught that the golden state could throw at them but you got to give the celtics a ton of credit for yeah. the path that they were on to get to this point they beat a lot of good teams
2: they did they they ran the gauntlet in the east eric and you know when 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 you think about it um and and uh, our producer austin Mackey's telling us that that john's there john um thanks for joining us i know it's close to uh tip off and and your first final so i know you're you're excited, Eric, and I have been there. We know exactly how you feel. But speaking of feelings, how do you think Brad Stevens feels? I mean, this is seems like it's a case of it seems like it's a case of uh, same horse, different jockey, or or same car, different driver. Uh, Ime, Ime Udoka deserves some credit, but Brad Stevens deserves credit for that big move in bringing Al Horford back as well.
4: Yeah, I mean look, I, I think it's it's a little bit different. Um I, I get what you're saying because it's mostly the same guys, but you know, this is a much better defensive team uh than than we've seen in a while. There's there's no Kimball Walker to hide. There's no uh there are no other like real, real weaknesses to hide. Um and the past couple of years with the pandemic have just been tough. They've been tough on everybody. But I think, you know, Brad made the nice adjustments in, in the front office, and, and that move to get Horford was huge. So, you know, he might have that little bit of, a oh, I can't believe it's there. You know, I want to be on the sidelines for this. But also, he's made critical moves to get back Al Horford, to trade away Schroeder and Josh Richardson, to bring in uh, Derek White, to bring back Daniel Tice, guys who have made big impacts in the playoffs. So I think Brad's probably feeling good. He's still part of the team. He's just in a different role.
0: Hey, John, you just mentioned one of those guys, Al Horford. How key, not only has he been, but will he need to be? Because we've spent this entire show and clearly, obviously, understandably, talking about Tatum and Brown and, 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 uh, and, and Marcus Smart. But when it comes to Horford and what he's done in this postseason and what he will need to do, how key will he be?
4: Oh, Horford's going to be huge. I mean, he's one of their, their main guys now. I mean, to, to think that, you know, a year ago they acquired this guy and – he would be this vital to a finals uh, appearance uh, you know, kind of, kind of amazing that we're at this point. However, he's just been phenomenal defensively and he's been great as a leader, but he's been great as a defender. Uh, He understands what they're trying to do. He understands how to help. He understands all of the deficiencies of the other teams. So I think he's, he's just a crucial defensive piece. And then offensively, he, is a nice outlet. He can't he can hit three, but he makes the right play. He's just a steady hand. And for a team that's all 24, 25, 26-year-olds, it's nice to have that steadying veteran presence who still has a lot in his legs to go out there and make plays, make plays at the rim like we've seen against Miami.
2: Hey, John, you talked about the defense and how good they are. <sighs> you. They've given Golden State more issues than anybody else. Uh, the Celtics. Yeah. How how do they do it over a, well, six seven game series? Like ESPN has Boston eighty six percent to win. I can't see that right now. But then again, uh, you know, no, I, I I don't think anybody knows what might happen.
4: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that eighty six percent is. I feel like that that might be a little overboard. But uh, defensively, to do it for seven games is going to be tough because this Warriors offense is just so dynamic and they're so good at adjusting that uh, I think it's just going to be a, a very difficult task. And it, it's not like uh, a style that they've been used to over the past couple of series. This is a very finesse team versus the power bludgeoning teams that they've played this. You have to be precise. You have to be, you know uh, you on your toes as far as the adjustments and the backdoor cuts and, and, and all the different things that that golden state does. So communication is going to be huge in this. I think it might take a game. We might see the Warriors come out in this game one and kind of maybe even run away with it. I wouldn't be surprised by that, but I think it'll be good for the Celtics to kind of get used to the new speed with a new style and, and put it on film to say, okay, this is, these are the things we have to account for, which they didn't have to account for against other teams. It's just a very dynamic uh, crafty team. And, you know, Draymond Green, they'll dare him to shoot, but he'll, he'll kill him some other ways. So it's, it's going to have to be a, a very strong communication series for these guys on defense.
0: Hey, John, we're up against the clock. I want to ask you, though, maybe 15 seconds or less. It might be an obvious answer. <laughs> How important is it to, at the very least, get a split in these first two games?
4: Well, yeah, you want to go home with something. So you've you got to got to win one of these games on the road anyway. So maybe one of these first two games, you can snag one and just feel good about yourself because it's a young team that, that needs a little bit of confidence. So getting one of these early ones would be very, very advantageous for Boston.
0: Hey, John, I know it's a busy night. Tip-off just over an hour away. Thanks for joining us.
4: You got it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, John.
0: There is John Carlos from uh, the Boston Sports Journal. Appreciate his time again. I'll say it one more time. Just over an hour away Golden State, Boston, Game 1 of the 2022 NBA Finals. I'm going Golden State, so is Jonesy. We're against the grain, I guess, based on ESPN, Jonesy. But uh, we shall see, because we'll be talking about it again next week. Whether it's a sweep or whether it's going 5, 6, or 7, we will be back next week with another edition of Smith & Jones.